0: Today's study is in Ephesians 5. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. And man, I have a million things to say and I got to be so careful with this. Um, So I'm going to be reading a lot from my notes because I want to make sure I don't mess up on this, you know, but today's study is called The Marvelous Mystery of Marriage. Some of you guys are right in the middle of it. Uh, Some are looking forward to it. Uh, some of you guys are even here are looking back, you know, with fond memories of your marriage in the past, and my heart goes out to you, but wherever God has us today, uh, we should know this, you guys, that family is the fabric of society, and that marriage is the fiber of that fabric. It's so important, and so we should, therefore, know the mystery of marriage as we're going to study today, and uh, we got we to gotta know this, you guys, that it's not easy Uh, Being married. And so, um, you know, statistics, uh, they vary. Some will say maybe 30%, uh, all the way up to 50% or higher of all marriages end in divorce. And so, not only do we want our marriages uh, to survive, but we also want them to thrive. And so, it's cool to be able to have studies like this today. So important. Uh, For some of you guys, uh, maybe, you know, if I were to talk to you, maybe there's some of you here who would say marriage is easy. Um, man, I, 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 that's pretty cool that you would say that maybe some of you would say it's easier. Um, and I, I would say that it's, it's actually for the most part, uh, very challenging, you know, I have been blessed and I've told you guys this many days, many times with a perfect spouse. I have absolutely no doubt that she's the one for me, but it hasn't been easy for us. And so, um, she'd probably say that with more umph. you know, it hasn't been easy and you know you're wondering well manny why are you saying that two reasons number one i don't want to be hypocritical i want to i don't want to stand up here and tell you guys that i got a perfect marriage and then number two i don't want you to get discouraged or disillusioned because somewhere along the lines maybe you heard you know from um, some pious pastor that christian marriage is easy uh, and then you go into it thinking it's easy and it's really not and what ends up happening is you end up you know, in in divorce, because um, you find out that it's not all that, and you weren't ready to work hard at it, and so, um, you know, I remember, and I know this is kind of crazy, even thinking about what we studied last week, we're talking about music, and so we have a a playlist uh, for uh, our marriage, uh, it's called Love Songs, Uh, you guys have love songs for your marriage, I'm just curious, (laughs) You know, and so some of those are, are, are I don't know, they're, they're tough. Some of those love songs, to be honest. I was reminded of one of those songs by the, by the Eagles. Do you guys remember the Eagles? Some of you are older. Um, it's called The Best of My Love. And uh, I, I don't remember the exact lyrics, but I think it's something like this um, The, the Eagles said, Every morning I wake up and worry, what's going to happen today? You see it your way, I see it mine but we both see it slipping away. You know, we always had each other, baby. I guess it wasn't enough. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It goes like that right now. <laughs> but, but here in my heart, I give you the best of my love. And I, and I like that song, to be honest. I'm just sharing with you. I think I like the music more than anything else. But, but probably the reason why that couple, when you read the song, they couldn't work it out is because all they were giving was the best of their love. See, we don't have it in ourselves to make this happen. You guys, we have to have really the best of that love that God gives. It's a supernatural love. And we're going to see today as we go through that it's a tough thing. And before we dive in, I need to let you know uh, about a law of our nation that needs to be applied in the congregation. Did you guys know this, that opening and reading mail that is addressed to someone else is a crime called obstruction of correspondence. Did you guys know that? So you get the mail or whatever, you, and it's not your mail, and you open it up. You, can, you might be fined $1,000, or if you get busted and persecuted, you might go into jail, for, into prison for five years. So we should not be opening other people's mail. Because some of you are here like, cool, finally, he's going to get my husband. You know, we're going to talk about this, man. You know, and, and you're listening to what God is telling your husband to do because, you know, you want him to ship up, shape up. Right. And then it could be the other way around. You know, we're going to talk about the wife first. And you're like, yeah, man, he get her, you know, and uh, this is addressed to the wife husband's. Don't 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 listen to her mail in the sense that you would just now push it on her. Hey, baby, you heard what he said. You got to submit or whatever, you know, and then the same thing is the other way around. Hey, you know, you got to love that'll ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your marriage. So as we're going through it today, it's very important that I read my own mail. Husbands, listen to what God says to you and wives. You listen to what God says to you. And so let's look here. Ephesians 5 verse 22 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is head of the wife as also christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything and so that's primarily what we have towards the wife there's a little bit more at the end But then we read what it says to the husbands in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does to the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and in one sense is a summary and let the wife see that she respects her husband and so first uh, the ladies uh, verse 22 again wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord and so right away the ladies are like oh no the s word <laughs> Submission. You know, it's a word that can create fear in the hearts of many women, this submission thing. You know, it's one of the most radical, countercultural truths that we are called to affirm as Christians. It's 100% politically incorrect. It's a concept that seems threatening, irrational, oppressive, even barbaric when misunderstood or misapplied. I remember when we got married and the guys talked about, you know, wives submitting to your husbands. I remember afterwards, one of the ladies came up to my wife. She said, great ceremony, except for that submission part. You know, because of the the fact that this is what God's called us to do. Now, we need to get an understanding of it. It doesn't mean women are by any means weak or spineless. In fact, it takes incredible wisdom and strength of character to be supportive and submissive, to be that helper from the heart. And, you know, by the way, that's where it starts because uh, submission is first and foremost an attitude of the heart, you know, uh, it can't just be external and superficial, it has to be genuine. I think I've told you guys many times with that little boy whose teacher asked him to sit down. He initially refused, but eventually he complied. He finally sat down. But when he sat down, he told his teacher, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I want you to know that I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> Some wives, they have that attitude of submission, but understand that that's not submission. Submission has to come from the heart. Babe, I support you. Babe, I believe in you. Babe, I'm here to help you. I'm here to follow your lead. You know, what is submission? The the Greek word hupotasso, it means to arrange under. Ultimately, it means that you allow your husband to lead and thereby to fulfill his very role and responsibility as a husband, which we're going to look at later. It's an acknowledgement, really, of God's arrangement. It's not inequality. It's not inferiority. It's not subordination. It's not subjugation that leads to domination. It basically means your husband's responsibility is to lead the family, so let him do that. Your husband's primary responsibility is to take care of you, so let him take care of you. You know, if you're a wife and you're challenging his every decision and leadership, you're going to diminish his desire to lead. And if you try to lead and take over the will, he's probably going to eventually let you. It's just the way it is because guys are taught, we're not supposed to fight with women. And so either he's going to let you lead or he's going to leave. It's an interesting thing when you look at this. A lot of times women are so strong, they almost emasculate their men. On the contrary, uh, the wife is to be supportive of his leadership, to be helpful without being a manipulative. For God has chosen him to, to lead. And I understand, you're like, man, it doesn't make sense. You know, a lot of times women, I would say even the majority of the time, they're just so much smarter, they're so much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, they have so much wisdom and intelligence You know, I've told you guys many times, we talked about it. What are better? Men or women. Men are better at being men. Women are better at being women. And we have to understand the differences. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, look there real quick. And this is just a little teeny tiny example of kind of like what God wants to do. But look at in Matthew chapter 2. It says in verse 11, And and, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him, speaking of the wise men. And when they had presented their, their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, In a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, now the reason I bring this up is you see God guiding these individuals. You see God guiding them through dreams even. But here, as Mary and Joseph have to make a decision on which way to go, the, uh, the angel appears to who? To Joseph, leading the family. And Mary is a godly woman but leading the family through the man. You know, we see the same thing in verse 19. If you look down here, it says, Now when Herod had was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to who? To Joseph. He said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the young child, and I, and I want you to rise, and I want you to depart. So that's just a little teeny tiny example of how God wants the men to lead, and therefore, The women, my encouragement to you is to understand that whole attitude of submission. Just let the Lord lead. Will he make mistakes? Will he? Absolutely. But you know what will happen in the process when you allow him that freedom to lead? Is he will grow. He will grow as a leader. Because some guys don't even have that by nature, but it needs to be cultivated by their wife. You know, that support, I've told you guys many times, and I almost apologize for telling you this illustration again, but i got to tell you, remember Rocky II? Rocky II, you guys know that one, right? If you haven't seen it, I give you freedom to go home and see it today. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if there's anything bad in the movie, but I do remember that, you know, Rocky was challenged by Apollo Creed. this is Rocky II, to fight him, and he, didn't, he wanted to fight him because he's a fighter, that's who he is by nature, but his wife didn't give him the support. She didn't support him. No, you can't win. No, you know, uh, you're going to get hurt. And so he went through life. They went through life basically going forward. It it was miserable until finally what ended up happening was uh, Rocky's wife, her name is Adrian. She fell into a coma. She's pregnant. And so it was a crisis situation. And uh, Rocky was there at her bedside. Rocky was there praying until finally she woke up. And when she woke up, Rocky went to her and, and he said, Listen, if you don't want me mixing with Creed, if you want me fighting with Creed, okay, we won't do it. We'll get by some other way. And then if you it's so cool when you watch the movie, she said, This is what I want you to do. And he said, What? And she said, When and then the bell went, dong. <laughs> when. When And then, man, you see the movie, and he's working hard. He's catching the chicken. He's doing all the crazy things he needs to do until eventually, you guys remember, he won. And at the end, he said, yo, Adrian, I did it. See, that's kind of how it is, you guys, with men and women. If the wife is not going to support, if the wife is not going to submit, if the wife is not going to encourage, the wife is not going to let him be a man then you're looking forward to a miserable life. You might look forward to a life led by you, wife, when it was supposed to be a a life led by the Lord. And so it's it's a challenge. I understand that. I will say this, Genesis 3.16, it says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband he will rule over you. It's an interesting thing that actually part of the curse, the sin nature for the women is the desire to lead. And that's why we have to take up our cross. The men will too. We're going to see in just a second. And deny ourselves. How do we do this? Look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You know, the the way that this happens is by understanding ultimately you're not submitting to him. You're submitting to God. You're trusting the Lord who is sovereign and who loves you. You know, it's not a surrender to man. It's a surrender uh, to God. It's actually, we're going to see as we go through this, it's a wonderful, marvelous, mysterious uh, picture of the relationship that God has or Jesus has with the church. And so something really interesting about this we're going to see woven through it is not only the husband role and a wife role, but really the church's relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and so I was, it was interesting. I was, I was thinking about how pictures are taken at a wedding. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. They say that um, average pictures at a, at a wedding is going to be about 100 photos per hour. And, and so, um, you know, this right here is a picture of a wedding. This right here is a picture. Our our marriages are supposed to be the the pictures of the wedding of Jesus and his church. And that's why when you look at this right here, it's really cool. What if you guys took wedding pictures and someone ruined those pictures? How would you feel? That'd be a drag, right? Because it's such an important thing. Well, in one sense, the marriages that we have here on planet earth are the pictures of this relationship that god has with the church and this is why we have to work so hard at this you know we have to ask the lord give me wisdom in the different roles and responsibilities that i have it's it's not inequality ladies first corinthians eleven three says but i want you to know that the head of every man is christ and the head of woman is man and the head of christ is is god and so there is a structure in everything. If you've got two heads, it's not going to work. And so, you know, you can go to other churches and they'll water it down. They'll water it down. They'll try to, you know, do a spiritual uh, gymnastics with a verse like this. And they'll say, ladies, you don't need to do this. That's not really what God is saying. No, it is what he's saying. We're going to see, though, that it works with the husband doing his role and the wife doing hers. But it's not in equality. You know, right here we read that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman, that's speaking of a marriage relationship, not all men and women. No, marriage relationship is the husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now we know that Christ and God are equal in nature and essence, and yet there's even a spiritual structure within the Godhead. You know, it's not inferiority, believe you me men and women are equal, and if I had to say, if I were cornered, I would say women are are probably even greater. They're amazing, right? I heard a story about a guy who wanted to check out a book at the library. The name of the book is Man, the Superior Species. And so he asked the librarian, do you have this book, Man, the Superior Species? And the librarian laughed, (laughs) and she pointed to the fiction section of the library. We are not the superior species by any means. And you guys know that just as well as I do. And so you're then like, why, why submit? Well, look at verse 23. It says, for the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Here we see the husband is described in the Bible as the head and even compared or connected to the savior as head. We got to know this, that we are not necessarily like this bossy boss, this shoving leader. No, as the head, we're the loving leader. As a savior, we're called to be crucified. Husbands are destined to die that our bride might live. See, God knew what he was doing when he instituted marriage. You know, And that's why it's so important that the wife have that heart of understanding as we have the, the submission, it's, a, it's God's mission. That's what it is. If a wife gives her husband a hard time, um, I'm, I'm telling you guys this, it, it's going to be crazy. There's a, a passage in Hebrews thirteen seventeen where it says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, the context there is is referring to spiritual leadership, maybe within the church. And, you know, it's just saying, hey, you know, be submissive, uh, be cooperative, because this is part of God's structure in the church. Because if you're resisting, then, man, it's not going to be good for you. And it's really going to be a life of misery and and uh, don't do that to them. Don't make it uh, a thing where, you know, you guys are always fighting. You know, my, my prayer is that if you're out there and you're fighting with your spouse, that eventually you would come to a place where you're not fighting with them, but you're fighting for them. See, it says in verse 24 that just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, in everything. Now, 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 two things here. It says right here, we are subject, the, the, the wives are subject to Christ. The church is subject to Christ. And, and so I will say this, just in case, though you might have a husband who's not saved or maybe a husband who doesn't know the Bible and he might command you to do things that are unbiblical. If that's the case, what if your husband leads you to sin, to do something contrary to commands in the, in the Bible? In such cases, you're not required to be submissive. Acts 5.29 says, you know, we ought to obey God rather than men. And so there is an aspect to it. There are, are, are limits to it, right? One of the things that we'll see, even in this chapter, verse 22, it starts with wives being submissive to their own husbands. But verse 21, it says, we're supposed to be submissive to one another. So I, I I can talk to the guys right here. And the guys, hopefully, if you love the Lord, you would say this. Uh, we most frequently submit to our wives. There's no doubt about it because ultimately the way that I look at it is God said, okay, Manny, here's Shelley. She's my daughter. You take care of her. You take good care of her. And if I'm just here wanting to do my own thing, not interested in what's best for her, then I'm not fulfilling my role as a husband. So you know, the vast majority of the time I'm submitting to her because I want her to be holy. And I want her to be happy. But every once in a while, God will say to a husband, I really want you to do this. The wife might have a problem with that. You guys are praying together. You guys are working through this together. And prayerfully, the wife would then be willing to have that attitude of submission. Well, I support you. I'm praying for you. I know God will guide us. You know, uh, the wife here in in this section is called to to be submissive and, and to be respectful you know, we see that again there in, in verse 33, Ephesians 5. In, in one sense, this summarizes it all. It says, nevertheless, in verse 33, I'm sorry, Ephesians five thirty three, that each one of you in particular so love his own wife, that, that's the summary, as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I always tell people it's not complicated. It's not sophisticated. It's not. You know, wives, this is what God's called you to do. They say that this is what husbands need the most from their wives, that this is the most important thing to him, that it's more important to him than love, or that this is how they perceive that they're loved by their wives when she respects him. If you dim, dim, uh, demean him. You belittle him. You disrespect him. You are doing the very antithesis of what your husband needs. A lot of times wives will say, but yeah, he doesn't deserve it. We are not to do things in the Bible because people deserve it. Don't respect your husband because he deserves it. Respect your husband because God commands it. We see the same thing when, we you know, husband's loving wives while well, she's not lovely. Well, it doesn't matter because you are commanded to love her. And if she's not lovely, I'll tell you what, guys, it's your fault. It's your fault. You know, we had a worship leader up here leading worship for, for many years. And he left his wife and he left his kids. He left them. He just left them for another young girl that he met in the church. And he was telling me, well, I'm not happy. We've been married for 30 years. You're not happy. And now you're just going to up and leave your wife and leave your kids to go with this girl that you found? Listen, buddy. If, she, if she's not making you happy, it's your fault. Because you have not loved her as Christ loved the church. You know, so the guy, he, he divorces his wife and he goes and he thinks that he can live his life on his merry own way. Well, yeah, God forgives. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing now. Listen, it doesn't work that way. There are consequences of forgiven sin. God will forgive. God can forgive if you repent. But do not ever expect your life to be the same. This is holy. And so looking at this, I'm like, man, Lord, I pray that we would know the roles that we have. It's not easy. But I tell you what, if we begin to fulfill our roles, we are the most influential person our spouses will ever have. See, watch what happens, ladies, if you start having that attitude of submission. If, watch what happens if you stop disrespecting him. Watch what happens if you tell him, "When I believe in you, I support you, I will submit to your leadership." Doesn't mean you can't tell him what you think because like I said, you know, 99% of the time they're going to submit to you. But we have to have this understanding. One father gave advice to his daughter. He said, "You are marrying a man. Always treat him like a man." And he will always act like a man. A man fills your love through respect. This will be repaid by laying the moon and the stars at your feet. This is all we need. A good man may be hard to find, but he's not hard to keep. Have that heart of submission and have that heart of respect. But then the husbands, and the majority of this is directed towards the husbands. We we see in verse 25 here, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. If you actually go through this section right here, verses 25 through 33, you're going to see that the commandment for husbands to love their wives is found three times, and the word love is mentioned six times. You we are called husbands, think about this, you can't raise the bar any higher. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now we just got done directing the mail towards the ladies, that was for them. Now we have to read our own mail. We have to disregard that as men and say, okay, Lord, this is now my responsibility to love my wife as Christ loved the church. You know, one time a man asked his pastor if it was possible to love his wife too much. The pastor replied, do you love her more than Christ loved the church? To which the man said, of course not. So the pastor said, then love her more. I'm I'm up here 30 years in marriage. I mean, I'm telling you guys this. When I was going through this this last week, I was begging God. I'm begging God to do a work in my own life because I know I'm not here. After 30 years of marriage, I have so much work to do. But it's crazy because... You know, maybe, I don't know, you're going through things and it just becomes clearer to you. And, you know, things begin to kind of like, you you get better understanding. This is what I'm called to do. You know, to love her as Christ loved the church. Okay, help me connect the dots. The Greek word is the word agape. It means to unconditionally, sacrificially seek your wife's highest good. Uh, agape love is is divine love i can give her the best of my love we already talked about that but she'll see it her way i'll see it mine we'll both see it slipping away we won't make it that way we need this divine love this agape love the love that keeps on giving of oneself of one's time body energy mind heart to give my life for her And right there it says, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And we know what Jesus did. He died on the cross. He was nailed there for our sins. Nothing he had done wrong. Nothing he had done wrong. It was everything, everything, everything that his bride had done wrong. Didn't matter. He died for her. It means death to self. It means delivery of self. A young man once said to his young lady, For you, baby, I'd swim the vast ocean. I'd cross the fastest river. So I'll see you on Friday, unless it rains. (laughs) I think at the end of the day, many of us men, we claim to have a special love for our wives, but they don't have the practical love that they need. This man right here was willing to shun the ocean, deliver the river, but not willing to pain the rain. To love Christ means death to self, and it means delivery of self. You know, we'll die to habits and hobbies that cause friction in the relationship. We'll die to desires that breed distrust. We'll die to selfishness, stubbornness, pride, and self-righteousness. You know, for the rest of our lives, we will give ourselves by dying to self. We need to resist the wisdom from above, I mean below, that tells us the exact opposite. I like what Warren Risby said. He said, the devil told Jesus to serve yourself. Peter said, pity yourself. His unsaved relatives said, show yourself. The crowd of Calvary said, save yourself. But Jesus was deaf to all those appeals And Jesus gave himself. Jesus gave himself. You know, the interesting thing, like I said, uh, it means death to self, but it also means delivery of self. I, I trip out on this, and a lot of you ladies, I think you know what I'm talking about when I say you just want him. You just want him. And I trip out that my wife would want me. But but she does. You know, she wants to, to be with me. She wants my attention. She wants me to listen. She wants me to know what's going on in her life. I, I trip out on that. I'm like, man, you just want me, huh? Yeah, that's what, that's what she wants. You know, I mean, Jesus gave himself, and this is what our wife wants as well. This is what she wants the most. Don't get me wrong. Earn and spend money on her. Right, ladies? That's provision. And keep things from her. That's protection. Do stuff for her. That's maintenance. But most importantly, spend time with her. That's marriage. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 says she's your companion. She doesn't just want the money. She wants the honey. It's so cool to know that, man. <laughs> She wants you. So be careful that you're not too busy, that you don't just take the the time, but you make the time because the world has a way of separating us, you guys. I heard a story about a husband who sat down on the couch in front of the television. He picked up the remote control and he yelled to his wife, honey, is there anything you want to say to me before football season starts? (laughs) You know, and it's crazy. And a lot of times we won't listen and that's all they want. You know, what we have to have is this understanding of what Christ's love does. Number one, it, it, as we look at this, it's a sacrificing love. Number two, it's a sanctifying love. Look at verse 26. It says uh, that, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Now, I not mean spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 29, it says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So so it's it's a sacrificing love, death to self, delivery of self, but it's also a sanctifying love. And one of the beautiful things about sanctification when you guys study this in the Bible is that it's an immediate thing and it's a lifelong thing. So immediately, immediately, she is sanctified. Immediately, there's no one like her. Immediately, you esteem her, you honor her, you sanctify her. There's no girl like her. That immediately. But then through your love, it's a sanctifying process that God will use to bless and blossom her. Other than God, the husband is the wife's most powerful influence in her life, whether that be for good or bad, after that wedding day. So ask yourself this question, gentlemen. Is she blossoming or is she withering? After this time in marriage, a man indicts himself if he no longer loves his wife. You know, we see right here in verse 29, there's this nourishing that takes place. To nourish means uh, to, 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 to feed or to bring to maturity. Uh, to nourish, it means that you meet her needs. You know, as men, we love ourselves. We know what we need to be nourished. We're in tune with the needs of our body when our stomach growls, when we haven't slept, our love for self. It shows attentiveness, sandwich times, nap time, whatever it might be. We have to have the same mentality towards our wife. Do we know the needs of our wife? We need to work on this. Now, I will say this, to be fair. You can't meet the needs men cannot meet the needs of their wife in and of themselves, But God forbid that men don't know the needs of their wife. It takes listening. It takes prayer. It takes love. You got to know this. This is the one that God gave to you. Out of all the women, out of all the responsibilities that you have in life, God says, this is what I want you to do. Love her. Part of loving her is a sacrificing love. It's a sanctifying love. We can't just sit around and complain about our wife. No, absolutely not. Because that love, and I've told you guys this many times, it's the fear of God that changes us from the outside, but it's the love of God that changes us from the inside. You know, when we get to know her needs, we might not be able to meet them, but we can begin to pray for them. It's a cherishing love. We see that there... Again, in verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, because your wife is you. You're, you're one, right? She's you. you. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. The, the word here it means to keep warm or to foster with tender, loving care. Cherish her like a nesting bird protecting her young. Shelter and protect your wife because she's fragile and she's precious every husband needs to know his wife what makes his wife tick what ticks her off and maybe if i could just say it this way where she's ticklish what makes your wife tick and what that means is like what what's her passion what's her love what's the spice for her life you got to know what makes her tick you got to know what makes her you know ticks her off because you know you don't want to get her mad because if mama not happy no one happy we know that's the way it works right and so be careful things like that but i i love to see my wife smile you know what what you know makes her you know how is she where is she ticklish type of thing we we got to know this about our wife this this love that is sacrificing this love that is sanctifying with the washing of water by the by the word you know by praying by loving will eventually then allow her to give you what's called the satisfying love and that is where you present her to yourself look again in verse 27 that he might present her to himself now this is jesus Speaking of the church, he did the work, he loved her, he died for her, he earned the right to wash her in the water of the word and he sanctified her, nourished her, cherished her, he did all this stuff. I mean, it's so amazing and then he presents her to himself. Well, that's the same thing that a husband does with his wife. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself Right, For no one ever hate his own flesh, nourishes, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Do you see that? I mean, when you don't love your wife, you are not loving yourself because you guys, you got to know you're one. I mean, think about it. If she's mad, what does that do to you, husband? Doesn't that make you sad? Sometimes it makes you mad. Sometimes it makes you bad, huh? Because we're one. There's no way a man who loves the Lord can be happy or blessed or successful, however you might want to define that word, if his wife is not that healthy Christian that God's called you to cultivate in her life. You know, I, I hate to say it, you know, but I don't know, man, Uh Forgive me, and if you guys want to not believe me on this, that's fine, but I almost think of it and I probably shouldn't. Should I? Oh, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I mean, almost like a, a project, and forgive me for saying that, you guys, but you know, you got these guys and they're fixing up these cars and they're juicing them up and they're putting all their time and attention and love and money and everything into it because you know it's one way and now they're they, they just wanna make it like this exceptional thing. And in one sense, you know, the way that you would pour your life into that, that's what you got to do with your wife. you got to pour your life into her, not as a project, but as a person. This is why God has given you guys to each other. Not that that's why you're doing it. We do it because God commands us to do it. But we understand that if we do it the way that God commands us to do it, this will be the benefits, the blessings that we will receive. Now, whatever you do, don't compare your wife with other women because you might be there sitting, yeah, my wife is all that. Well, it's not you sometimes, it's not you. You just got blessed with a godly wife. But no matter who it is, God knows the way that the wife goes into the relationship, sometimes she's hurt, you're going to be the healer. You're going to be the encourager. with Whatever time we have left, as I was looking at this, and again, I'm not up here with some pious pastor telling you that I got it all together. I'm up here with you. I'm with you, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I've been married for 30 years now. Some of you guys have been married longer. There's still great things, better things that God has for us. You know, it's been 20 years since I taught through the book of Ephesians. I I don't teach this all the time. Very rarely do I teach this. But we are here today for such a time as this. And I pray, and as I was going through this, I'm like, Lord, please don't let this study go in one year at the other. Lord, change me. Change me, Lord. Change us because a husband is called to love and he's called to lead it's very very simple again look at verse 23 again for the husband is head of the wife as also christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body and so you know one day someone comes up to you and says hey bro what's god called you to do as a husband what are the role and responsibilities why do you got the title?" husband what does that mean what's the task to love her and to lead her but not a shoving leader a loving leader as a matter of fact you guys know this very well as i do that if you are not a good leader she will not follow you even though a lot of times we look at it while they're called to it's just the way it is you cannot make people follow you unless they want to And that's kind of what we have to pray. Lord, bring me to that place. But at the same time, a lot of times guys do just do not lead. They're just living their life. They have no vision for their family. No vision. They do not hear the voice of Christ who gives them marching orders as a husband. They can't hear his voice. What's the Lord showing you for your family? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you got to know, we got to know that we are, have the responsibility to lead. You know, a very common complaint from wives, some say it's the most common complaint, is that their husband is just not leading. And yet this is our, you know, responsibility. We're We're the head, not so that it goes to our head, We're the head because God here gives us this title and responsibility. It says that we are the head in order to rule. And so you're like, well, what do you mean rule? Well, this is why you got to know this is written in Greek, not English. Because a lot of times we think rule is going to crack the whip. No, get down to the Greek language and you find that ruling means literally to stand before as a protector or guardian, caregiver, and servant leader. You know, if you're, if as a husband, you see your uh, authority to be used for your own benefit, then you are not like Christ you are like the antichrist our authority that give, that god gives us the responsibility that god gives us is to serve our wives and that head which is just the responsibility is supposed to then just give us that that task which is to rule which is what to to take care of her you guys like sports right and it's so cool and one of the things that's so important for us, and I gotta hurry up. Men are different than women, right? Are are you guys okay with that? I mean, is it okay for men to be different than women? Today I woke up and you know it was I, I don't know. I was just checking some sports things real quick, you know. And my wife said, "What are you looking at?" Oh, to my shame, I'm looking at sports stuff real quick, you know. Why why is it that guys maybe girls like that too? I'm not sure, but I'm like man. And, and there's this one sport in Finland, and they have a race. You guys know what it is? Have you guys heard about that race where husbands carry their wives? You guys heard about that? And it's a trip, man, because they've got to carry these wives to this obstacle course, and they, they, they hold them on certain ways, and sometimes their legs are up there or whatever. They've got all these different forms, I guess, to balance the weight and stuff. And I just thought, well, wow, this is fascinating, Lord, because number one, not only is it sports, But then number two, it's really the illustration of what we're called to do as men. Carry our wives. Care for our wives. This world is cold. God, I want her to go to heaven. And I want her to experience heaven while we're on earth. You know, we have to be so careful because if we're not leading, then our wives, who are very gifted, will do the same. They'll lead. I have to ask myself, am I am I leading? You know, do here's a question. I'm I'm just this is just more of a um, what's the word? Uh, it's a different word. But um, when you guys are in your car, I'm not talking about people who are physically impaired or anything. Who drives? Is it the husband or the wife? Now again, I'm not saying this is a litmus test or anything. But some of you wives are better drivers, huh? But I think the men, the man should drive. Now again, I could be wrong because it 's not in the Bible. thou shalt drive, husband, you know, but I just feel like even though my wife is a much better driver than I am there 's something about driving that is a burden. you know th- things like that, so anyways, you know 're who is leading am I leading, am I driving am I the man that God calls me to be am i the am I the head? do I have the vision? If there was these funny little green Martians who appeared, let's just say you have children, and these little green Martians came to your house in the backyard and they spoke to your children and they asked your children, you know, take me to your leader. <laughs> take me to your leader. What would you, where would your, would your kids take them to, mom or dad? eventually, you guys, we got to work on this to where those kids would say, oh yeah, we're going to dad because he's the leader. You know, rule with compassion. He's the savior. And we got to close this, but think about that. It says in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of, the body. It doesn't mean that the husband you know, died for you in a redemptive sense, but there's this connection here. There's this reflection here. There's this picture here. Jesus needed to bleed to get us to heaven, but husbands need to lead to keep them on that road to heaven. It's not our blood. It's not that we're bleeding. But God, give us grace that we would be leading. And so let's fulfill our roles. You guys, um, hopefully, you read your own mail. I, I have to just give you a big law, like I'm going to do with my fist this time. <laughs> I'm just joking. Lord, please don't let the men say, well, you got to do this. And I'll start doing my part when you start doing your part. That's from hell. No, don't do that. Wives, don't do that either. See, as we're taking it in, the Lord speaks to us, my responsibility, then I'm going to go home and I'm going to just chew on this and write things down and process it and connect the dots and ask God, Lord, how can I, and I, how can I fulfill the role that you've given to me? Not because... My, my wife deserves it, even though she is amazing, and I believe she does, but in all reality, that's not the reason. It's just because, God, you command it. And So I pray you guys would be blessed in this. I have married couples, future married couples, and counselors. Some of you here are single. You're going to be talking to people. And yeah, the, the world, they, they, they would water this down, man, big time, but not us because we believe God and his word.